I'm Dave Rubin. It is a Friday, which means it's time for another Friday roundtable panel extravaganza. And joining me are the founder of Rebel News, Ezra Levant, the host of the News and Why It Matters on Blaze TV, Sarah Gonzalez, and an award-winning actor and the director of the new movie Capital Punishment, Nick Searcy. Ezra, Sarah, Nick, welcome to the Rubin Report. Thank you. Nice to be here. I like having a panel with all guests with four letters in their first names. It makes it nice and easy for me. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Sarah, you got an H in there or no? There's no H in there, right? Absolutely not. That's no H. an unnecessary silent H, no. Because <laughs> that would have really screwed us up right at the top. Uh, all right, I am uh, happy to have you guys here. Nick, I cannot believe this is your first time on the show. Ezra and Sarah are old Ruben Report veterans, uh, but the topics that we're going to be covering today, Nick, are right up your alley. They're right up all of your alleys, actually. Mainly, we're going to cover... Uh, a crazy week in censorship, uh, mostly from big tech, but it's really coming from sort of this globalist, international government, whatever you want to call it at this point. Uh, that's the direction we're going in today. Real quick, let me talk to you guys about Tommy John, and then we will get to it. Uh, is the summer heat melting your ice cubes? Stay frosty where it counts in brand new Tommy John underwear. With dozens of comfort innovations, Tommy John will keep you looking and feeling cool all season long, from lounging at home to summertime fun. And with over 17 million pairs sold, people love their Tommy John underwear and loungewear. That's why Tommy John doesn't have just customers, they have fanatics. I love wearing my Tommy John underwear, which I'm wearing right now, when I take Clyde on a hot walk in a humid day in Miami. Tommy Don doesn't just make you feel cooler, you actually are cooler. Stay up to seven degrees cooler than cotton in Tommy John's Apollo underwear. Plus there's no risk because you're covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free, guarantee. Shop tommyjohn.com slash Ruben right now for 20% off your first order. Get 20% off your first order at tommyjohn.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. Should I ask any of you guys what kind of underwear you're wearing before we start? Tommy John, actually. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I can't remember. I've had it on for so long, I don't remember what it was. <laughs> oh, no. Nick reporting live <laughs> from the bunker. Okay, here we go, guys. So look, it was a crazy week, obviously, with censorship. And I, as I said several times this week, I don't like when I am in the news because I'd rather talk about the things going on. But I sort of was in the news this week. As a matter of fact, I was, I think, at one point, uh, the number one trend on Twitter uh, because of this ridiculous suspension. Uh, people know about it already, but Ben Shapiro summed up what happened quite well in a tweet, and then Ben didn't get suspended, which was bizarre. Ben said on Twitter, Ruben Report has now been suspended for posting news about Jordan Peterson's suspension, all because we are not allowed to mention that up until five minutes ago, Elliot Page, who is very, very, very male, was a female actress named Ellen Page. Uh, well, where should we start here? You know what, uh, Sarah, I feel like you've either been banned on Twitter before or you've at least been suspended or punished one way or another. Um, should I be in the gulag still? No, you shouldn't. But shockingly enough, Dave, I don't know if you remember, I uh, I went through this whole big offensive truths 
um, on Twitter after Twitter accepted Elon Musk's offer just to kind of test the waters. I mean, I was saying all of it and I didn't get a ban. I didn't get a suspension. I didn't get anything, which was shocking, I think, to me, uh, along with everyone else. And I got to tell you, if I were uh, if I were thinking who has the most oppression points here, I would have thought the gay man way, way, way more oppression points than the Hispanic woman. So that kind of throws me for a loop, but certainly you don't belong in the gulag for stating something that is a complete fact. Well, not only did I state something that is a complete fact, all I stated was that Jordan Peterson was suspended. He's the one that said the thing that got him suspended. Although, uh, Nick, there are biological differences between men and women, are there not? Well, well, the crazy thing is that I did a movie in 2007 called An American, uh, An American Crime, and uh, I did it with Elliot Page, I suppose, because well, the damn. person that I did it with no longer exists, and Elliot Page <laughs> played my daughter, which is <laughs> a heck of an acting feat because he was very believable as my daughter, and so now I don't even know if I can mention that movie anymore because I might get suspended. It's uh, and if you look it up, if you if you Google an American crime, it actually lists Elliot Page as having starred in the movie, which is I don't know. It's like 1984. They're erasing the history that never existed. This is the new reality. Shut up or you'll be suspended. You know, I did note that this week because the only thing I could really remember Ellen Page from was the X-Men movies. So I quickly did a Google search. We did it live on the show. And it said that Elliot Page was in the X-Men movies. And it's like, she was a girl at that time. I, I don't want to get lost in all the pronoun drivel and we'll probably get booted from YouTube while we're doing this. Um, no. But, you know, it's like, should they have put the artist formerly known as Ellen Page? That would make more sense than saying that Elliot Page was Nick Searcy's daughter. Well, it's it's hard to get your mind around, but you know we're just obviously we're not intelligent enough to be leftists these days. So. Uh, Ezra, you are a gender pronoun expert. What do you make of uh, this nonsensical situation where people are getting banned over just basically saying true things? And really, to Sarah's point, that they they randomly pick who and when they're going to exercise it. So occasionally. When Sarah's trying to get away with stuff, they'll let you get away with it, and then they'll suddenly take you out for, you know, screenshotting someone else. The asymmetry or mm. inconsistency of it. You know what? It's it's easier to debate the insanity of the censorship and the pronouns and the dead naming and misgendering. Uh, it because it's clearer because we see the outrageousness. I am worried about what the new CEO of Twitter promised a few years back. His name's Parag Agarwal. And mm -hmm. he said, We're, it's not really about freedom of speech. It's about um, attention. What he meant by that is, who will we uh, put your eyes on and who will we hide from your eyes? Let me say it another way. I think Parag Agarwal, Twitter, Instagram, the metaverse, it will be uh, come soon that you can dead name and misgender and be as politically correct as you want and feel free and no one's going to ban you. It's just that Parag Agrawal will not let anyone see that. Mm -hmm. You could call it shadow banning. So I think we're moving to the point where Twitter will not ban you. Uh, you will think you're talking, but you're just shouting into an empty theater because Parag Agrawal has given all the attention of Twitter to his favored viewpoints. 
this is probably the last moment where we will see the censorship in real time. We will move to a place where we don't even know we're being censored and, and, and we're not conscious of it. And we think we're free, but no one's listening to us other than maybe a few handpicked people. That's much more terrifying to me. I, I hate to tell you, Ezra, but I think we might be on the other side of that already. I mean, I think the level of shadow banning and manipulation and promotion of certain ideas and depression of other ideas, I think we're so deep in that that we may have already crossed the Rubicon that you're worried about. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think that anyone's going to be banned. They'll just uh, be hollering into a into a box uh, where no one else is. And and when you can no longer see what reality is, when you no longer have any direct communication with the world, because every single thing in your life is filtered through a handful of big tech companies, I, I don't know how we operate in that world. Um, I'm, I'm terrified by it, and I, I don't really want Parag Agarwal, Mark Zuckerberg, or the others being godlike, and I—that's what they want. I think when you've got all the money in the world and all the power in the world, you're, you're changed from a mere mortal into a would-be god, and they want to control everything. I'm scared of that. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the fact that Zuckerberg did all of this craziness with Facebook, I mean, anyone that's seen the movie, all of the backdoor stuff and all the pumping the money into elections and all that, and now he's the one that's guiding us into this metaverse that they wanna put all of us in. I suspect he's not gonna have his kids in there, but put the rest of us in there. But I wanna ask you guys a, a philosophical question, because for me this week, when, when this suspension happened, what Twitter does is they say to you, if you wanna get unsuspended, you basically have to admit your fault. You have to admit that you did something wrong and click a button that verifies that you admit you did something wrong and then they give you 12 hours uh, where you're suspended. My feeling was that I, I, I was debating whether I was gonna click it or not. And then I, I thought, okay, well, let me click it because then supposedly you will have access to your direct messages so that I could alert other people such as you guys about what had happened so we could get some eyeballs on it. So I did do it. I felt horrible when I clicked the button. I really did. It was, it was kind of gross having to do it. Um, and I am now back on Twitter because I, I felt I, I want to bring the fight to them. Jordan Peterson has taken the opposite approach and you guys know in what high regard I hold him and I think you guys do as well. He's saying, I'm not deleting my tweet. I am not going on there and uh, back on there and who's going to blink first. What do you guys think sort of philosophically or personally about that, that decision of, do you go always and fight in their, in their arena, even when you know it's a fixed game or do you blaze new trails, trails elsewhere? Nick, what do you think? <clears throat> well, I've actually done that. You know, I've only been suspended once or twice, but it was that, you know, in both times it was like some tweet I didn't really have that much invested in. And it's like, okay, whatever, you know, and I, I did it. But what it reminds me of is what the uh, January 6th defendants are being put through in many cases they are pleading guilty to crimes that they did not commit. And then they have to come before the judge and say things like, I now believe Joe Biden was legitimately elected and I was wrong to go to the, the protest at the Capitol on January 6th. They're kind of making them do these uh, public confessions of their guilt, which they don't really believe, but they have to do it so that they you know, can get a lesser sentence or something. It's very sinister and it, it you know, it's, it's, it's part of what they're trying to do in, in silencing their opposition, in shutting down any dissenting opinion, and it's insidious, and I think it's gonna grow. I'm, I'm with Ezra, I think it's gonna get worse. Sarah, what do you think about the, uh, the sort of ethical quandary, and what do you do? Do you fight on their territory, or do you just leave with your integrity intact? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I think it does depend on what the actual uh, tweet that is, you know, the offensive tweet was. If it, if you want to stand on principle, which I understand why Jordan is doing what he's doing, um, but it is it becomes really difficult when obviously this is a power play that Twitter is is using. And Nick mentioned the January sixth defendants. We also saw it during COVID, where you had judges who, you know, were coming down on, at least here in Dallas, uh, the judges coming down on salon shop owners for opening when they were supposed to be closed down and they went through court. And what the judge said was, you must admit that you were wrong. You must admit that mm -hmm. you did something wrong and you will get a lesser sentence. Um, and so, you know, you see this used all the time in this power play, bow down and you will submit to us or else. Uh, so it does, it feels gross um, when you actually follow through with it. But to your point, Dave, I mean, I do think that there is value in taking the battle into the arena and staying there um, because unfortunately there aren't uh, as many trails as we would like right now that you can blaze a new one. And so it is what it is at the, at this time. And I do think that there is a lot of merit to just staying in the arena and fighting where you're at. I also want to um, add on to Ezra's point earlier about shadow banning I think they're also, um, they're gonna protect the narrative at all costs. So in some places they're gonna shadow ban, in other places they're gonna do like what they did to uh, the Missouri Senate candidate, Eric Greitens, when he came out with that rhino hunting ad, which, mm -hmm. you know, say what mm -hmm. you want if you think it was a distasteful ad, but what Twitter did was they said that it violated the rules, but they added a sensor that you could still view the tweet and view the video because they found it to be in the public's best interest. Now, why did they find it to be in the public's best interest? Because there's an election going on and they want this guy to look bad because they want him to lose. So it's gonna be, Twitter is protecting the narrative at all costs, whatever that might mean. If that might mean shadow banning, that might mean, well, you violated the rules, but we're gonna let people see it anyway because it, we think that it helps our cause Whatever that may be, they are going to control that narrative at all costs. Yeah, and the broader point, I guess, more than anything else, is there's a bunch of people uh, who we don't know who they are. You know, we sort of have a sense of who this, uh, the CEO of Twitter is now, or whether he's in charge or not, we don't know, because he's kind of gotten into it with Elon. But it's basically a bunch of woke activists that are, are running this whole thing. Nick, let me give you the last word on this one, because uh, you mentioned January 6th. Your new movie is about the... Uh, Insurrection, I guess we can call it. And, right. uh, so why don't I give you the last word on, on this? Yeah, you can find the movie at capitalpunishment.locals.com. It, uh, and it shows what, uh, what is being done to private citizens who've never been arrested for anything before in their lives, who never even went in the building, and how their lives are being destroyed by the, by the judicial system. It's, it's definitely punishment by process. A lot of these people don't they're not rich people. They don't have $250,000 laying around to give to an attorney to mount a vigorous legal defense. And their basic, their lives are being destroyed. And going back to the rules that uh, we were talking about, the, the rules are meant to be capricious and arbitrary. Mm -hmm. They're meant to be things that you can't understand that don't make sense because they're the, they're the controllers of the rules. They own Twitter, they decide what the rules are, and they can violate their own rules whenever they feel like it, so you better be careful. And that's the sort of uh, climate that we're, we're trying to communicate in right now. They want you to not be sure about what you can and can't say, because at any moment they could just go, okay, not that. Nick, I don't know if you can see it on your end, but underneath your name there, we put fake insurrection expert. I felt that that was the best way <laughs> that like we it. could 
describe you. And don't worry, Ezra and Sarah, we have special ones for you too. You're gonna find them out in just a moment. Uh, real oh, quick, no. let me talk to you guys about real estate agents I trust. You know, buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do. And it can be 10 times worse if you're not working with the right agent. Generally speaking, our homes are our biggest investment. That's a ton of responsibility. And you need an agent who takes that seriously. That's why I recommend Real Estate Agents I Trust, founded by my good buddy, Glenn Beck. They work with only the best agents in every market. They do their homework, talking to every agent before inviting them to join their network. And here's a big one, guys. They only work with full-time pros, no part-time or inexperienced agents. Their team makes the introduction and then follows you through the buying or selling process to make sure that you're satisfied. The agents they work with have long track records and are the best sellers in their field. They're part of this audience. They share your values and they're almost anywhere you wanna go. Just go over to realestateagentsitrust.com and provide them with some basic info. They'll contact you and make an intro to a preferred agent in their town. And then you'd like Ezra, perhaps you can flee Canada and move to the free state of Florida. Sounds pretty sweet, doesn't it, my friend? <laughs> yeah, and housing prices couldn't be higher there than in Canada. So much inflation up here. But it's not just the weak economy. It's, we don't have the civil liberties that you do down there, Dave. And um, I guess I see a lot of Canadians who can move are just getting out, it, whether it's freedom of speech or people who don't want to be, be in a country where the prime minister can seize their bank accounts with no legal process because they had a peaceful process protest outside of parliament. Um, I, there's terrible things going on to this day. Uh, a, a grandma who was one of the organizers of the charter convoy, she's in prison today, right now, even months later, because she took a selfie with another trucker and a policeman in Ottawa said that was a violation of some anti-mischief provision. She was arrested and flown across the country. She's been in prison for nine days for taking a selfie with another trucker, Dave. I'm not exaggerating. That's what they had a hearing about that on Tuesday. That civil liberties count more than the money stuff does, Dave. Yeah, well, look, I know you're not exaggerating, which is why we spend so much time on this show talking about Canada and people, you mentioned your prime minister, people may remember Justin Trudeau. This is just a couple months ago. There are uh, Canadians who still continue uh, to choose to not get vaccinated. It's fellow Canadians as well. When people are seeing uh, cancer treatments uh, and elective surgeries put off, uh, because beds are filled with people who chose not to get vaccinated, they're frustrated. When people see that we're in uh, lockdowns or serious public health restrictions right now, because um, the risk posed to all of us by unvaccinated people, people get angry. And we have put forward many, many different measures to encourage to reassure, to incentivize, to educate, to cajole, to remind people that it's never too late to do the right thing. The reason I wanted to throw to that video, even though it's a bit old, obviously, is because it sort of illustrates the point that everything this guy says is a lie always in the quest of gaining more power. Ezra, I know we're all sort of in our own little bubbles all the time, but do you know anyone in Canada that truly supports him, believes him to be an authentic person, a, someone who is a good leader? Uh, as Jordan Peterson often says, the man simply cannot say one simple sentence of truth. Yeah, I think that uh, he was elected last fall 
with the lowest percentage in Canadian history that was still able to form government. Mm -hmm. Now it was a minority government, but he's being propped up by the socialists. So he's actually the least popular prime minister in history by that measure. Uh, seven years ago, he was fresh and cool and handsome, and he had a famous last name, and he was very woke, and he's got that way of talking, ladies, you know, and and there, there were a lot of reasons why he connected with people, but a few of them have fallen off. For example, he posed as the great friend to visible minorities and new Canadians, but then all the photos of the blackface came out, and people realized that that was just a sham, and then he poses as a feminist. But then it came out that he sexually assaulted Rose Knight in the, in the town of Creston, B.C. and said to her later, oh, I wouldn't have done that to you if I knew you were someone important, a reporter. So he's a fake feminist, but he accuses you of sexism. He's a fake uh, friend to minorities, but he's the guy in blackface. Mm -hmm. Everything he accuses you of is what he himself is doing. Did you hear him say those who choose not to have uh, the injection? He claims to be pro-choice. He claims to be the he, – he tells Americans, come to Canada for your abortions if, if you can't get them down there, but only if you're vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Americans can come up to Canada to exercise their free choice over their bodies unless they're unvaccinated. Trudeau isn't just a liar. He's a projector of his own uh, uh, f f flaws onto you. I think Canadians are waking up to it. Once you see that, you can't unsee it. Once you see that he tricked you, you can't unsee that, Dave. Well, speaking of things I can't unsee, I keep seeing these videos of Klaus Schwab from the World Economic Forum all over, uh, you know, mostly on Twitter, but all over the online world. You don't see them ever on mainstream media. And the World Economic Forum is basically this group, this globalist group that is putting leaders in all of our countries. Justin Trudeau was one of their young protégés. Here's a video from Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum. Waves of lockdowns and the stresses of finding work or returning to workplaces have even amplified the existential and often silent mental health crisis. So what should you do? You are calling for the international community to safeguard vaccine equity to respond to COVID-19 and prevent future health crises. Nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated. Sarah, the reason I wanted to throw threat. this. Yeah, that exactly, that was a threat. That's, that was exactly my point. And the reason I wanted to throw to this <clears throat> video after the Trudeau thing is, it seems to me that all these people have left. And I mean this, the Democrats, these world economic, all they have left is that we need them because things are horrible they're going to get worse. And they're also telling us they're the ones that are gonna make it worse in essence. I mean, it's extraordinary, isn't it? It really is. It's also extraordinary that, you know, you get called, I'm gonna be really careful with my words here, Dave, uh, for, just for, for you, for for the sake of your YouTube here. Um, yes. it, I'll, I'll state a fact here. Klaus Schwab wrote a book in 2020. It is called The Great Reset. You can look it up on Amazon. Yep. In which he laid out uh, exactly what it would look like if you used a crisis like COVID-19, which is what he wrote about. Uh, these are all facts. And you used that crisis, that pandemic, to create a new world. No, I'll say a new global alliance. Uh, <laughs> and the only way that they know that they can do that 
is by instilling fear in people. And at first, I think they found it to be a little bit easier than it is now because, you know, people's loved ones were in the hospital. They were sick. We saw all of these videos uh, coming out from China at the beginning of people literally dropping dead in the streets and nobody knew why. I mean, there was reason for some Americans to be alarmed and to be fearful. Now, all they have is this vaccine that, by the way, won't prevent you from getting sick or going to the hospital, but they're still going to threaten you that if you don't get it, you're going to be left behind. It is, it's mind boggling that they can't give this up. But as we know, uh, once you get that power, you're not going to relinquish it. You're just going to continue to want more and more and more. It's just crazy to me that this is happening right under everyone's noses. And I'm still called a conspiracy theorist for saying they've literally laid out that they were going to do this and now it's happening. Why is anyone shocked? I know that's almost part of it, that it all happens. Those of us that are paying attention see it. And in some ways that makes other people think we're even crazy or something like that. Uh, Ezra, I should mention that uh, your, uh, we put on your lower third, journalist without air quotes, because it's so refreshing for me <laughs> to be able to call someone an actual journalist. That is your special lower third for today. Uh, Nick, uh, did you see this video earlier this week where uh, the Biden administration official, who of course is a former BlackRock guy, was saying that if in essence we don't go to war with Ukraine and save the liberal world order, then everything's gonna collapse. That's sort of directly connected to this, isn't it? This idea that we have to you know, go to these wars that we don't declare and we have to pay more at the pump and everything else to save the liberal world order. Wouldn't that have been like an Alex Jones thing a couple of years back? Right. They're saying the quiet parts out loud now. And what you're seeing is that with, with, even with the COVID stuff that's still going on and in L.A. County, they're bringing back masks for indoors. Uh, there's never you never are boosted enough. You know, it, it, the Screen Actors Guild Union has uh, reinstituted masks on set at all mm-hmm. time, whether and you have to be vaccinated and boosted in order to work. And. What I think is that all of these people in these uh, positions that have been put there, like Gavin Newsom, like uh, like uh, Trudeau, they are not. They, their allegiance is not to their constituency. Mm-hmm. Their allegiance is not to their voters. Their allegiance is to this global liberal order that they all want to participate in, and they want to bring every nation under the sway of. And uh, I know that sounds like a big sweeping pronouncement, but that's what I think is going on. Uh, Gavin Newsom really isn't in danger by, from his voters because they've changed the electoral system in California so that he really can't be removed by the voters. And that's why so many people like you and I, Dave, have uh, gotten the heck out of California and gone, gone to some place where you're, at least your vote means something. Your vote doesn't mean anything in California because the, vo- the uh, politicians in California like Newsom don't have to be scared of what you think of what they do. Don't worry, Nick, I'm not gonna tell people where your under, underground bunker that you're reporting from right now is. But, That's right. Uh, I'm the insurrection guy. I'm waiting for the FBI to come yeah. after me. It's like, what, why, why haven't they come and get me yet? It would make a great ending to the movie. Oh, it would make a great ending to this YouTube show too. I mean, that would be the perfect <laughs> ending to this. Could happen at any moment. Oh my, I hear something. <laughs> Um, Well, really what you're talking about there is sort of that we can all see a conspiracy in front of our eyes, but the thing is it's not really a conspiracy. We found this video, this is from about a year and a half ago. This is the prime minister of the Netherlands basically talking about how the countries that are in power, how they have to basically fund the media so that nobody can figure out what they're doing. You need free press 
at these moments to be able to explain to the people what is really happening. But that costs money. So one of the pleas I have with big business here in Davos, don't put all your money in the internet advertising. Make sure that our newspapers, our news outlets, also our TV stations, also in the future will be able to pay sensible and, and, and real uh, salaries to our uh, journalists to be able to do this. I believe it is crucial. Sarah, you work at The Blaze. I work with The Blaze. You work at a place that is independent. No one's telling you what to do, what to say, et cetera, et cetera. It is not government funded. By the way, the video we just showed you, that was from Rebel News, which of course is Ezra's outfit up there in Canada for as long as Ezra remains in Canada. But uh, this idea that governments should be funding news, completely insane, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, China would agree. Uh, North Korea would agree. Um, Russia would probably agree. I remember the good old days when uh, media and lawmakers, at least here in America, pretended to care about a free press whenever you know President Trump would utter one mean word about them and they'd be screaming about freedom of the press or he would ban one reporter from one media outlet while allowing other reporters from that same media outlet to enter the briefing room. And they were screaming about how freedom of, of the press was under attack. Now we're just talking about having state-run media and uh, just like the Communist Party of China and everyone's like, oh yeah, that seems like a great idea. There's no conflict of interest there. It's all about protecting the narrative. It just is like the social media companies that we were talking about, Twitter, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Parag. They have to protect the narrative at all costs. They know that, which is why they need the journal, the journalists to do their dirty work for them. It's, it's just sick. Ezra, can you talk a bit about what's going on in Canada right now relative to this bill that's being pushed that I think has actually been signed already where pretty much everybody is going to, you're gonna have to now register and they'll be able to control what you can and can't say. And of course you already have the CBC, which is basically in bed with Trudeau and the liberals. So you already have a state run media in Canada. Yeah, you know, you'd think inflation, price of gas, groceries, whatever would be the most important thing to a government today. But Trudeau actually, it's censorship and control of the internet. He has four different bills going through parliament. Some have already passed. Um, they're gonna regulate the internet like they regulate, like uh, TV stations and radio in Canada, which is very strictly. Um, Trudeau has been paying the media hundreds of millions of dollars but only the media that, quote, he trusts, that's the word he used, trustworthy media, which means his media. He's colonized mm -hmm. them. Um, <clears throat> he's introduced a journalistic license called the QCJO, Qualified Canadian Journalism Organization. And it's his staff that will determine whether or not you're qualified. And if you're not qualified, and obviously we were refused that status, you will be, his next bill is to require Facebook, Google, to boost the QCJO, the qualified mm -hmm. licensed media in the rankings and de-boost. So it's not just that Google and Facebook have their own algorithms that are biased. Trudeau's bill would require them to introduce his biases into the algorithm to silence his critics like us and to promote the ones that he trusts. It's a licensing provision. One last thing, Dave, it's not just the government money. And in Canada, 99.9% .9 of journalists now take government money. 1,500 media companies, I didn't even know there were that many in Canada, are on the dole. There's maybe 10 that aren't, including us. But Google and Facebook are now spending hundreds of millions of dollars directly subsidizing legacy media also in Australia, 
in Canada. That's another thing. You have to be a QCJO licensed Trudeau journalist to get that big tech money. But if you're an independent journalist, but suddenly a third of your money is coming from Google and Facebook and a third of your money is coming from the government, you're not an independent journalist anymore, at least not on anything touching the government or big tech. Journalists no longer work for their viewers. They work for oligarchs. We should start using that word oligarch here. Why should we only call Ukrainians and Russians oligarchs? Mm -hmm. You don't think Bezos is an oligarch? You don't think Zuckerberg is an oligarch? Someone who has money and power and wants to rule the world and to hell with the little people and democracy? We have our oligarchs too. Nick, uh, to that point, I mean, having just done your movie Capital Punishment, you know, we go through this absolutely sham, ridiculous, I don't even want to call it a trial. I don't know what you can call it other than a clown show, this January 6th hearing, which it's basically done already and nothing came out of it. There was this pretend moment that they claimed Trump tried to grab the wheel of the car. I mean, it's all so stupid. Everyone thought it was a joke except mainstream media. They really loved it. Doesn't that kind of prove the point that uh, Ezra's making here? Absolutely. I mean, I love that idea that Trump fought his way through the back of a limousine, through the through the <laughs> good movie, man, to get to the driver. It, yeah, it, was, it made him look even better than I thought he was. <laughs> I didn't know he was like some kind of superhero. But yeah, I mean, I'm old enough to remember it being taught in school about Pravda and about Soviet propaganda and how you know state-run media is a bad thing. They taught me that in history class in high school. And now I think what's happening is that these journalism schools they churn out these kind of brainwashed people. I mean, Khrushchev said it back in the 50s, we're going to march through your institutions and we will take you over without firing a shot. And that's what they've done to these journalists and so many of them, it's not like some grand conspiracy, they've all been educated to accept this idea that it's okay to take money from the government and then say what the government wants them to say. And I, it's, it's gone so far that it's really, it's going to take a long march back through the institutions in order to change things and to get these journalists back to, to the point of actually reporting the actual news rather than just being mouthpieces for whatever government they serve. Well, speaking of Pravda, we have our own Pravda right here in the USA. It's called the New York Times. And check yeah. out this headline from the New York Times this week. Here's a doozy. The rise of the far-right Latina. Representative Myra Flores is one of three Republican Latinas vying to transform South Texas politics by shunning moderates and often embracing the extreme. Now, of course, Myra Flores won her district about two weeks ago. It had been under Democrat control for about 100 years. It was mostly about the border. So, of course, now she's far-right. Uh, Sarah, we've got a special lower third for you. You are our far-right Latina expert today. Uh, but first, let's show a little video of uh, Myra Flores responding to this nonsense. With that far-left bias the New York Times has, should you and I consider the New York Times a legitimate news organization, Congresswoman? They're not. Like I said, they don't know us. They have no idea who we are and who our culture, you know, they just do not represent our, our community. And I feel that, you know, no one really cares about the New York Times, especially in my district. We're worried about health care. We're worried about the cost of gas, the cost of food. That's what we're worried about, not the New York Times or none this nonsense that's happening in Washington, Latinx, none of that. We're focused on the issues that really matter to 
to the American people and I refuse to, you know, give them any attention. They claim that they're for immigrants. I'm an immigrant. I'm from Mexico. And yet all they do is hate me. All right, Gonzalez, Gonzalez, far right Latina expert. (laughs) Do you agree with Flores? Oh, 100%. I mean, look, I have been saying for years now that the Democrats uh, would, they would experience a high levels of loss of uh, Hispanic voters because they, as, as always, they overplay their hand. They want to make it all about illegal immigrants. As Myra pointed out, they they claim to be for immigrants, but only the ones who have gotten here uh, illegally. So what that does, it slaps in the face to all of the people who did it the right way, who yep. know that there is a legal process and who respect this country enough to go through that legal process. She also said, you know, on top of the border, uh, her issues are God, family and country. These are things that traditional Hispanic families value very, very highly. A lot, you know, most of them are Catholic. Uh, they are very, very pro-life. They are very, very staunch in a lot of these social issues that Democrats have just gone so far left and so far extreme that Hispanics are like, I thought I was with you guys, but it turns out now that you've shown your true colors, I actually don't think I align with you guys anymore. I've said that it was going to happen for years. I think that it took being under the leadership of Trump for them to realize how well they had it. You know, they were working, Mm -hmm. the economy was good. The things that actually mattered to these Hispanic families, they were all good. They saw that happen. Then they see the switch to Joe Biden and they saw all of the extremes that they were going to, the left was, and how it did not align with their traditional family values. And I think Hispanics have really had enough. I hope that that's what we see in November. Um, I really do, Dave. Isn't there something kind of beautiful about this? Because they're showing us exactly what they did to Trump and how they'll do it to any of us. To call her far right, then if you read the article, and I I actually read a New York Times article, I mean, basically all they say, as you referenced, the, the far, what they mean by far right is that she's for a border and that she goes to church. That's what they meant by far right. So it's sort of like, oh, Remember when they used to do that to Trump and he, he wasn't even a big churchgoer. Nick, I, surpri- I guess none of this is surprising to you like you've seen this game before. <laughs> yeah. Well, when uh, you know, she says that her slogan is God, family, and country, God and family are the first things the leftists want to get rid of because that the only thing they want is country. They don't want God or family because those things make your allegiance to someone other than the state. And so this is this is not an accident that they're going after her uh, because she is a turncoat to them. She mm-hmm. they think they have these ethnic tribes that are supposed to be Democrat, and anybody that turns against them and goes the other way is now the enemy. And to call her far right, common sense is far right to 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 the, today's left. It's like she wants to have a border where you can control who comes in and out. Well, that's any, everybody should want that. That's common sense. You don't leave your door unlocked in case somebody wants to come in your house and get something. You want to control who comes in and out of your house. I wonder if they're going to leave the gates open at their gated community and just say it's, it's really discriminatory for us to keep people out of our gated communities. We need to open the gates. No, they're not going to do that. By the way, I don't want to brag, but it was about five years ago that front page Sunday New York Times called me 
Jordan Peterson, Thomas Sowell, and Milton Friedman, the leaders of the alt-right. So, you know, <laughs> at, least, at least she's in good company. Uh, I'm gonna give Ezra the last word here, but uh, Nick, can you remind everybody, because I'm thrilled that you launched your new movie on Locals. Uh, I'm yep. honored and thrilled, actually. Can you just remind everybody where they can get it? Yeah, two ways to go there, capitalpunishment.locals.com, because that's the name of the movie. And you can also subscribe to my amazing feed at nickcersey.locals.com, where you'll get a lot, of, a lot of tasty treats in addition to the movie. There you go. Ezra, bring us home on this Friday from Canada. Sure. You know what? There's nothing more racist than a liberal dealing with a minority who's not following the party line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Myra Flores, the, uh, Trudeau's right-hand man, Gerald Butts, called me a Jew. He, he implied I was a Nazi. They, the, the racial hatred and the use of the N-word for Clarence Thomas would shock uh, a, a Klegel, a grand Ku Klux Klan boss. Um, it's, it's all for power. They don't really mean it. They never meant any of it. They never meant their belief in freedom of speech other than as a temporary tactic to take an institution. I think I, I love Myra Flores and I, I, I love the fact that more and more minorities are not following the script handed to them by the left. That's part of free speech, too. Dave, thanks for your hospitality today. All right, to my fake insurrection expert, my uh, far right Latina expert, and my journalist without quotes. Uh, I've enjoyed having you guys on. We'll do this again and uh, have a good weekend, guys. I'm going to finish up for a couple minutes without you, but thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Dave. See ya. All right, people. I feel that that was a uh, a solid ending to the week, and I have a real surprise right now for the three gentlemen in this room. Do you know what I ordered for lunch? Daphne said to me this morning, what do you want for lunch? And I said, you know what? It's been a good week. They will eat the Chick-fil-A. There is fried chicken with all the sauces, all the sauces, Polynesian, Chick-fil-A sauce, honey mustard, barbecue. It's all down there right now. So I have nothing else to add because Connor's gonna end the show right now because he loves that fried chicken. See you on Monday. Thanks for tuning in everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you wanna connect with me personally and get early access to my sit down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.